The following message is presented by Bayou Vista Baptist Church in Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information, go to the website www.bvbch.org. Now the message. If you're in Exodus chapter 1, say amen. Then I want you to go ahead to chapter 2. You ready to go? I know you just sit down, folks, but you know the drill. I'm going to ask you to stand out of recognition of his infallible, inherent words, serving as a final authority on all matters of faith and practice. So let's remember, nation of Israel's in bondage. They've been there for approximately 430 years, given some say 431 years. So they're there, they've been praying for deliverance, the Lord has multiplied them, Um, the Egyptian leadership has recognized God's favor, his hand on them, he's become intimidated, actually says to dread or to fear them, because if they went into war, then the Israelites may partner with their opposition and overthrow the Egyptians. So the Pharaoh issues a decree to the midwives of the Israelites, remember, that they are to kill all of the little boys. And so they do not carry that out as they, they do not believe that would be God's command for his chosen people. So they undermine the law of the land to honor God's law. And so last week we discussed there is but one law and it is God's law. To the degree that our government aligns with God's truth, we will be God-fearing, law-abiding citizens. Passed in, well, we'll deal with that when we get there. So here we are in chapter 2. The nation of Israel has been praying for deliverer. And he's on his way. Now a man from the family of Levi married a Levite woman. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was beautiful, she hid him for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with asphalt and pitch. She placed a child in it and set it among the reeds by the bank of the Nile. Then his sister stood at a distance in order to see what would happen to him. Pharaoh's daughter went down to bathe at the Nile while her servant girls walked along the river bank. She saw the basket among the reeds, sent her slave girl, took it, opened it, and saw him, the child, and there he was, a little boy crying. She felt sorry for him and said, this is one of the Hebrew boys. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, should I go and, and call a Hebrew woman who's nursing to nurse the baby boy for you? Go, she says. So the girl went and called the boy's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child and nurse him for me, and I will pay your wages. So the woman took the boy and nursed him. When the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, because she said, I drew him out of the water. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this day. And I pray, Lord, we would place ourselves amidst the weight of this story. The apprehension, the anxiety, the fears, the worries of a young mother giving up her son. And Lord, the whole time you having a divine sovereign plan for the deliverance of your people. That this little boy would be an answer to prayer for your glory and for your honor. Lord, I pray we walk away having been changed by the truth of your word. And it is in the name of the Sovereign King Jesus we pray. Amen. You be seated. So number one this morning, if you're taking notes, it is give it to Jesus. So let's, let's, let's go back and let's put ourselves in the story. 
So the nation of Israel has been praying. Now they were probably expecting something very miraculous, something very prominent. Much like, and here's where we have a parallel between the, the, the character, the person of Moses, and the person of Jesus. So much like Jesus, Moses came in a very humble way. And one of the things that's very interesting is what the, where the mom placed him with intentionality in the perception that Pharaoh's daughter would have had of how he was placed, where he was placed, and the fact that he was still alive. So the mother, just like all of us as mothers and fathers, would have loved her little boy. Just like each one of us, right, when they were born, we held him. And I remember when Aiden came came along, and man, that doctor handed him to me. There was a lot that happened before then that I wasn't prepared for, I'm just going to tell you. But that baby come out, and that doctor handed him to me, and I looked at him, and I knew I'd never be the same. There is no way I could hold my child and ever be the same. It was a, a depth of love, and I just thought in that moment I had been young and selfish, and right, I had, I had agendas, and at that moment I knew whatever my kids needed, I would do without hesitation, without reservation, without constraint. It was, a, it was the first time I ever had a glimpse of God's love for us. And so as I held that little boy, it just held him... And I remember I'd come home at lunch because we worked right by the church and I'd take a little nap with him and that was so sweet. And I'd go to sleep kind of like right on his forehead and I would slobber all over him. <laughs> and so I'd wake up and I'd be like, and I'd look, his little eyes would be full. <laughs> it was so, so, and that's a true story. Um, but anyway, so I love those moments. So just, just as every one of us had those moments that are burned into our mind, that ingrained into our heart, that there's nothing we would not do to protect our children. But that protection we see as an active role. Like you, you come at my babies, you come at my wife, big bears coming after you, right? That's what I see and that's how I perceive of protection. I don't relate to protection in my flesh by giving anything to Jesus. It's hard for us to imagine, hard for us to relate. In a tangible world, as humans who like to take control and who like to worry, I like to worry. But do you know worrying never changed the outcome of one single thing? I get anxious and I get worked up over silly stuff. Anxiety is a fear of a reality that does not exist. So we cook up all of these scenarios in our lives. We worry about our children. We worry about how they're going to turn out. And, and I guess rightfully so in a fallen world if you take Jesus out of the equation. You see, if Jesus didn't exist, now let's just, let's just imagine, then I should be concerned enough to worry. I would have the right to be a little anxious because no one's in control. Right? I could fear a potential reality that is unwarranted or unguaranteed by a sovereign hand of an almighty creator. But because there is a creator, see, you can't pretend there's no God. There is a God. And so my response to his sovereignty, to his deity, is to look at my family and know he loves them. He loves me. 
And Scripture says that all things work together for the good of those that love Him. So, let's look at this mom. She knows the political environment. She's heard the midwives tell the stories of what they were told to do. Now, she got married and chose to have a child. God told us to go forth and multiply. So she didn't do anything that was dishonoring to the Lord. Now, she knew there was a risk, and she decided, just like every one of us knew when we had those children, they could rebel, something could happen to them. Right? There were things that were simply out of our control, but God told us, right, to go for the multiply and that the two should become one flesh. And so we were just being faithful. But in that faithfulness, there was an uncertain outcome. And so when this young mom looked at the little boy and saw that he was beautiful, now what baby isn't? Especially to mom and dad. I've seen a few that ain't pretty, but don't tell mom and dad. So she looked and she saw and then she realized, oh, no. Oh, that the Pharaoh is going to be coming. The Egyptians are going to be coming after him and they're going to kill him. So the one chance I have, the one chance I have to save my son is to give him to the sovereignty of Jesus Christ. Now, when we have sons and daughters, we realize We may lose them. Let's think about it. We may lose them to sickness. We may lose them to tragedy. We may lose them to the cares and concerns of a fallen and deprived culture. That we may lose the idea in any parent who has had hopes for their children and their children did not achieve those deals with a level of trauma. It is a loss of expectation and hope for your children. So there's so many ways that we feel loss. And so this mom is preparing to lose her son to the uncertainty of the world. Now, the interesting, beautiful part of the story is the Moses we know, right? Put in a basket, placed in the Nile. In the reeds that would have lined the sea that God used him to separate. So here's the baby Moses in the Nile. Now what the Nile represented to the Egyptians, the Nile was full of, you may, y'all have alligators, they have crocodiles. Well, so back was the name of the alligator god who controlled death. And so for the the Pharaoh's daughter to see a child that was crying, that had been protected or not eaten by the alligator crocodiles, there is a difference, crocodiles, that was significant. So for her, this child is special. This child is being protected by the power of a Little G God. And so she assumes, I can't harm this child. I have to protect. Now, do you see how God's sovereign hand can intercede and superimpose his will 
even in light of absolute idolatry and heresy, that this child, mom had given this child, and that, that river represented, the Nile River represented trusting God. She had no idea the outcome. So all there's times as parents, all we have to do, all that we can do is give them to Jesus. Because I can't guarantee any outcome, but there's something that comes along with that. Mom was as involved as she could be. Do you see that throughout the story? This is not a story as in a story we read. These are true, factual events. They're historical characters, people, individuals that lived at a real time in a real place. And so the mom knew, man, this world, this world right now is out to hurt my child. So there's nothing I can do but give him to Jesus. There's nothing we can do for our spouses, our husbands, our wives, in their relationship with Christ, but give them to Jesus. There's nothing we can do for our children or our grandchildren, but give them to Jesus and do everything in our power to show them his love and his truth. So let's look. Now, the last thing mom expected was for the child to come back to her. Right? She, she put that child in the Nile knowing the crocodiles were there. And y'all got a bunch of them. I mean, I see them in ditches. I go in the backyard and shine a flashlight in their eyes everywhere. And I want to catch one so bad I taste it. Grab it. Anyway, I'm pet it. I just, I wanted, anyway. So, but then they were abundantly, they were everywhere. Like, they were protected to a capacity. Then they were protected to be sacrificed to Sobek, the crocodile god. So they were everywhere. They adorned them. They put jewels on them. They put them in their courtyards, in their tubs, in their swimming pools. They were everywhere. So what the mom knew is, I know, I know, I can't save the child, but there's a chance God can intervene. Now listen, that's how we feel when we look at God. There's a chance. There's not just a chance God's going to intervene. There's a guarantee God's going to intervene. So when we pray, well, I'm going to pray so maybe God will answer. I'm going to pray so maybe God will hear. Friend, if you're a child of the king, he promises to hear and answer your prayers according to his will and his riches and glory. Do you understand and believe that? Say amen. amen. Friend, it's not an if. God's people start needing to live like it is that he is real, that he holds his promises, that he answers our prayers, that he protects and provides and nourishes and guides us. So here's mama. Baby's in the now. Never expected to see him again. God's sovereignty intervened on the behalf of a mother that trusted him. So the baby, we know the story, baby set sail, right? Wasn't long, little, little sis was watching. Oh, oh, she got the basket. Oh, she sees him. She waited till the 
right? Pharaoh's daughter opened the basket and he's, he's crying and she runs up. Oh, he must be hungry. He must be hungry. Do you want me to find someone to nurse him? Sure. I know just the person. You know that verse, train up a child in the way they should go and they will not depart from it. That's a tough passage to interpret, to be honest. Because there's parents who, in their perception, have raised a child in the way they should go. And the children have seemed to have departed from it. Now, let me encourage you in this. To raise a child, whether it's your children or your grandchildren, in the fear and the admonition of the Lord and the way they should go, isn't just by rules. It is by the nature and nurture of your heart toward theirs. So a lot of times we parent, grandparent in anger and frustration, and that is not training a child up in the way they should go. We don't guide them that way. We don't nurture them that way. That is not the heart of the Almighty. So wherever you're at, whether your children are babies, whether they're teenagers, whether they're adults, or whether they're, they're parents or grandparents, at whatever stage you're in, as a parent, you're never finished guiding. So always guide with a sensitivity, with a nurturing heart, with a guiding heart. And listen, listen as a parent more than you talk. The one thing teenagers say about their parents when going to counselors is that their parents don't listen. So scripture tells us to give it to Jesus, just like mom did. And then, number two, God restores the faithful. So she puts the child in the Nile. There's a possibility that crocodiles will get it. Possibility someone else will get it. An Egyptian woman could find it because the, right, the, 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 the dress, the, the blanket the baby would have been in would have represented the Levite group, the Levite family. And so anyone in Egypt would have recognized this is certainly a Hebrew. What Egyptian would have put their child in a reed basket and put it in the Nile? That wouldn't have made any sense. There's no reason for that. So had to have been a Hebrew child. So there's a chance someone could have just found him and killed him. But she still trusted God. And in light of our culture, in light of all the frustration and what seems like hopelessness, just like for Moses' mom, there is hope when we trust Christ with our children, our grandchildren, with our resources, with our future, with our marriage, with everything and anything we are. There comes a time, friend, when you can't fix it without Jesus' intervention. It's just gone too far, and we wait far too long to give it to Jesus. We normally give it to Him when it's so broke, there's no energy left to fix it. So you see, Moses' mom didn't wait that long. She was very proactive the moment she knew she needed to act. The child went away. And then what happened? The child came right back to her. So when we trust him, now that means so much more than what we interpret or imply. It means that we trust him. 
It, it wasn't that we take our children. She just didn't take Moses's, Moses to church. She literally, physically gave him to God. On baby dedication, I've ordered two books for each of the, or two books for any family that participates. One, and if you'd like the book, if you know anyone that would be interested in the books, you can let me know. One's just a little child's Bible. The other is called Shepherding a Child's Heart, which talks about guiding and shaping a child to desire respect rather than forcing a child to respect. It is the difference of nature and nurture in a capacity that we force rather than model and be that, that example that we're called to be for our children, and then we give them to him. So it's just it's a little different. You can Google the book, check it out, but I'd encourage anyone uh, raising or anyone raising kids, grandkids, so God restores the faithful. I also want you to look at this point at Job. We all know the story of Job. Job, everything was taken from Job. Job and Job cried out. Now here's the other part of this that is not mentioned. The agony that the mother would have gone through because she's human. You see, when you trust God, there is a cost. There's no way the mom wasn't concerned. Let's just, she's human. There's no way she wasn't concerned when she put the baby in the Nile and saw him pushed off. There's no way. But what she knew is God's power is bigger than my worry. God's sovereignty is, is, is more trustworthy than my best intention or provision. But she still literally knew he was going down the Nile. Job buried his children. Watched everything he had destroyed. And then we read in those chapters of Job this agony, this pursuit of God. Why? Why, why did you do this? Job remains faithful. So here, here's the more. Faithfulness does not mean you don't have a struggle. Faithfulness means you stay the course pursuing God, His person, and His will, despite your human understanding and finiteness. So here's the deal. Someone gets cancer. Someone loses a spouse or loses a child. And you say, we say, well, we prayed. We prayed and we prayed with faith and hope and and God still didn't answer. So how, how, do we, how do we balance this? How can God be all-powerful and evil still exist? How, how do we balance this? Well, let's go back to the beginning. Evil exists. The capacity exists because we chose it. You see, God didn't, God, God didn't want any of this. We did. And we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So when I sinned, I was born a sinner. There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who seek after him. Faith is a gift from the, the Father. So here I am. I'm trying to trust. But there's a mess of distraction and pain. And I've got to get to the place where I trust him more than my understanding of this fallen world. And is God all-powerful? Yes! 
But he's honored the choice of humanity in our rebellion. And so a natural fallen world affects us all. Now, if God healed everyone, there'd be no justice. There'd be no consequences for sin in this fallen world. So, friend, we've lost a child. We've dealt with cancer, so I feel like I can say this honestly. We all deserve to feel some consequences for sin. See, that's what I deserve. The wages of sin is I sin, I get paid death. Almost all the terminology having to do with salvation have to do with an economy. I deserve death. He intervened and he justified my debt. Justify means to pay it for me, to write my account with the resources that do not belong to me. He, he, he righted my ship. He righted my sins. He justified me before the Father so that the Father looks at Jesus and he sees me. So how do I navigate a fallen world? Well, here's the truth. I've never seen Jesus Christ. Anybody? I think I've seen an angel, but I've never seen the person of Jesus I've never seen the Shekinah glory of God the Father. But I believe. But that belief, Scripture tells us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. So sanctification is the process whereby day to day we learn to trust Him more. If you have never given God a chance to be faithful... There's no way you trust him. There's no way. If you've never been faithful in your life, then you've never seen God's protection and provision. So what, what's it going to take here? There's a life where you trust God with the things that burden you. Look at this little mom. She's scared to death. Her, her, her son could die in the Nile. Maybe. Or he will certainly die under her care. So she's got a choice. And friend, here, here, here's what we know about our lives. You leave me to manage my life, I'm going to make a mess of it. Anyone else ever figured that out? You cannot trust yourself, your perception, your responses. Every day I wake up and I'm going to be a more patient dad. That normally lasts from about 7.30 to about 8.15. Right? Every day I wake up and I'm going to be a, a kinder, more patient. Right? I'm going to go shopping with Jeanette and I'm going to be patient. We went looking at some furniture. And I normally, we have like a two-store rule. Because um, my ADD kicks in and I start getting impatient. And I have a testimony to keep up because they always ask, what do you do? And I'm so reluctant to tell people I'm a preacher. <laughs> You know, anyway, so this guy had, had chosen an alternative lifestyle, and um, I was done. Uh, done hearing about his boyfriend. Um, and so I was like, you know, it's time to go, I'm done. And he was filling out a quote. Like, that's, you got to wait. Don't you just hate it when they get out their computers? You know, I'm here to just look at the furniture, tell me how much it is, and let me go. 
And I was like, how much is this? There it is. He, t- he told me a number. So we went through this whole thing. Whole rigmarole. What was it there? 14 hours? Three, two. <laughs> it could have been 15 minutes. I don't know. Whatever it was, I was done. I didn't like nothing. Everything was too expensive. I was out. But all morning driving over there to Lafayette, I was like, Lord, let me be patient. Let me tone it down. I walked in there and I toned it up. Um, when he, he walked over, anyway, I'm not going to get through the details of that story. So anyway, friend, you leave it to me. You leave my marriage to me. I'm going to mess it up. You leave parenting to me. You leave money management to me without his principles. Man, my choices in nature do not honor God. So I've got to take my choices and I've got to sell them down the Nile River. And God's got to intervene to redeem my situation. Otherwise, I'm going to mess this thing plum. I don't know what plum means in that sentence. Up. We've just got to start. Give it to Jesus. Letting Him correct the situation and bring it back to us. Last, God has a bigger plan. Oh, Moses' mom. When she held little Moses, that wasn't his name at this point, but we know it was his name later, saw that he was beautiful. She was acting to protect a child, her son, not to protect the deliverer of the nation of Israel. So you see what she what she saw was just to take care of right her interests. I'm gonna protect my baby, which is perfectly God honoring. But she gave him to Christ. She trusted, right? We're in New Covenant now. She trusted her family with him. And as that little child floated down the Nile, God shut the mouth of every crocodile, protected him the whole way, and guess who picked him up? Guess who? Oh, you know. Not no little slave girl, the Pharaoh's daughter. Now, if you're going to prepare a leader, if you're going to educate a leader, if you're going to teach a man about war, about economics, leadership, philosophy, languages, you don't mess. No, no little slave girl's going to find this boy. Top woman is going to find this baby. So you see God's sovereignty? And friend, I learned a long time ago, he's got it rigged. You best just go with it. So that baby's selling down, and then the Pharaoh's daughter, right, picked him up. Brought him back to mama and then came and got him and adopted him and educated him and prepared him. Right? The Egyptians prepared, equipped, and trained the deliverer of the nation of Israel. That's God's hand. That wasn't mama doing that. And here's the irony. They had feared the nation of Israel. 
and they equipped the man that would deliver them. Deliver the Israelites from the Egyptians. Oh! Friend, you see, when you sail down a river on your own, that river goes one way. But the symbol for eternity comes right back. So when God's sovereign hand intervenes, there's no mistake. There's no unnecessary pain. There is just the revelation of his power for the sake of his glory. Oh, our time has expired this morning. I just want to tell you guys, this says 1151. Uh, that's what I was going by, 1151. What time is it? 1240? It's right. My clock's wrong. It says 1205. So here's the deal. I want to close with this. We all live in a fallen world, and therefore we all have something on our heart. Man, we went over last night and helped our neighbors with an auction uh, yesterday afternoon to benefit some children with disabilities. I can't, I, I can't answer those hard questions. I don't know why those things, well, I do, but when you're talking to parents, what do you say? But God is sovereign, and I don't know why things are the way they are now, but according to his promises, I know the way they'll be then. It's all going to come back to him. See, this whole world's been spinning around and making the decisions, evil men and imposters, from deceiving to being deceived, right? Choosing to become, claiming to be wise, they've become fools. All of it is coming back to the throne of who? Jesus Christ. You see, you can't escape his sovereignty. I don't care how smart you think you are, how wealthy you think you are, how strong, how courageous, you cannot escape God's sovereignty. And what Scripture says is that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So, friend, there's no other way. I mean, it doesn't matter what you've heard. There is only one way. There's only one way to forgiveness. There's only one way to repentance. There's only one way to reconciliation with the love and the desires of God the Father, and that is through the person of Jesus Christ. The other thing. I was talking to a lady on the phone this week and she said, Eric, I just haven't been living like I believe it. We talked about that last week. And so I'd ask you, Moses' mom, she lived like she believed it. And you know, it had been 431, actually probably 400 years, depending on what you think the age of Moses is, when he delivered the nation. 400 years that she had gone without seeing a miracle. See, the nation of Israel had seen miraculous deliverances. They'd seen miraculous provisions. But they lived in bondage for 400 years. She lived like she believed it. You know, I I often think 
We want to see a miracle to believe. And I think it goes the other way. You believe before you see the miracle. God doesn't have anything to prove to you. He owes you nothing. You owe Him your worship and your faithfulness. The preceding message was presented by Bayou Vista Baptist Church in Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information about a relationship with Jesus Christ or about Bayou Vista, including contact info, go to the website www.bvbch.org. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you.